skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like breaking up with a city, ring before spring, <laughs> And when self-growth leads to more questions. Mm. But first, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. No. We have unprofessional, unqualified opinions about your personal life. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just doing the best that we can. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Welcome to Epidode 70. Oh, we will never not do that. <laughs> like it won't matter how professional this podcast uh-huh. or successful this podcast gets, we'll still make fun of me mispronouncing things. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm glad that speech therapy I went to as a child worked. <laughs> it did work, just didn't work all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so for our check-in topic today, we're going to talk about cohabitating with a partner. And that brings me to a little bit of a personal uh, announcement that my girlfriend and I actually moved in together. What? What? You you were instrumental. <laughs> I know, but in I'm this. playing the part of the listener. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got an excellent DM asking us about how to split chores mm. with a significant other. And I think that opens up a whole great... Um, volley of questions about cohabitating like chores and um cooking and Mm -hmm. general rent like paying rent yeah yeah time too like how much time do you spend together yes and how do you how do you have alone time right do you have do you spend time with your friends separately together right like how do you share a bathroom when you both have to get up and go to work in the morning yeah how's that going for you it's going pretty well because we have different schedules got it yep got it 
Um, okay, so what do you? So let, maybe let's just talk about that. We we highlighted chores, we highlighted food, we mm-hmm. highlighted money, and we highlighted time. Let's cover those. So first chores, I would say, um, I feel very lucky that my girlfriend and I have very compatible skills, mm-hmm. which is to say. <laughs> She's cleaner, but I'm more organized. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. we have very different skills or we have different approaches to our the, the chores that we like to do. Yep. Um, for example, I like doing detailed dusting, whereas she hates that and she likes to do broad strokes. I'm going to vacuum and rake the entire yard in an hour because I have a ton of energy. Yeah, right. And I'm over That's here like... not at all surprising to me. <laughs> I know, right? She's like a border collie. She, I just got to run her around the yard until she exhausts herself, and then she'll go to CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The same um, is true of Peter. <laughs> yeah, so I... What has been lovely in this transition um, with her is that we feel very compatible in our skills um, mm-hmm. and the way... And so our strengths and weaknesses fit together really well. Um that might not be true for everyone, but it is an important lesson to take note of the of the work that you don't mind doing and, and that like maybe your partner does not love, yep. you know, and that maybe that's where you can step up and then they can step up with the one thing you hate, like mm-hmm. folding laundry or, or whatever it is. Um, I think that sharing chores should totally, um, it should be a shared thing, number one, but number two, it should fit the personalities in the relationships. Right. Not to say like if your boyfriend's a lazy bum, he shouldn't do any work, but instead it should it should fit fit your character, fit what you're good at, you know. Like yeah. can you can your boyfriend or your girlfriend um fold laundry if they watch Netflix all day? Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like working to your skills and uh-huh. to your lifestyle, I guess. For sure. How do you and Peter do it? Um, I would say that we're pretty similar to you and your girlfriend. I, we can just say her name. I feel like I've <laughs> I've hidden it for long enough. I don't know why. I think I just like we hid Peter's name for a very long time. Yes, on and the then and then we said it. Okay, yeah. are you ready to say it? Yeah, I'm ready. I've been ready since <laughs> like seven months ago or whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, it's my girlfriend's name is Willow. What? <laughs> I can't believe you just said that out loud. because I was like, we've been dating more than seven months. But then I was like, oh, it's because that's when you were emotionally. When I was ready to be you like. You were ready to say it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it took me another seven months to be like, okay, let's say it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. So my girlfriend, Willow. Yeah. So I would say that we're very similar to you and Willow, which is that Peter likes, um, yeah, likes cleaning and I like organizing. Yes. It's so, actually so convenient. No, it's, it's great. Because like I would much rather like tidy a room or deep clean a bathroom, yes, right? Me too. Like if I'm going to clean something, I don't want to like I don't want to do the weekly chore of like, oh, spray the spray the sink, wipe it down. Yeah. Like I'm like I want to get in hands and knees and like make it sparkle. Yes. <laughs> yes, or, you do. Sparkle yeah, butch. Right? <laughs> but I'm also like the some someone who can be like oh, I will wait until that is dirty enough for me to feel the urge yes. to like clean it. Totally. Um, yeah, so and, so he's cleaner and you're more organized. That's yeah. that's how we talk about it. And so Peter will like you know, sort of do th- like vacuum every week, just like out of habit. Mm-hmm. And then like every three weeks I will like deep clean vacuum, vacuum, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally <laughs> like Spot take vacuum. the rugs out right. and like actually like get them out, like, you know, move all the furniture around. Like that's so much more. I, I just imagined you as like a colonial woman, like yeah. dusting your rug <laughs> out off, off the side I, of your cabin porch. I do it all the time. In a bonnet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think like we have conversations about what chores we like doing and what chores we don't doing like doing. So like I hate vacuuming, like the sound of the vacuum drives me bonkers. So like he agrees. <laughs> You're such a sensitive cat. <laughs> yeah, I know. So he like agrees to do that. And there are things like he doesn't like cleaning the bathroom. Right. And so like I will do that because that's what like I don't mind doing it that right. much. Totally. Um, and but like again, having those conversations and like talking it through. So that you don't get to a point where you're like resentful of like, you've never cleaned the fucking bathroom. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. And I think about too, um, uh, I, th- I think what we're not acknowledging, what I think I f- sometimes forget to acknowledge to our listeners is we talk about it right. and that it's okay to talk about chores. Oh yeah, for right? sure. And it doesn't make you the bad guy or the or the cop of the relationship. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you like the scolding parent. Like these are adult things that adult people can share sure. and even have stress over, right? Like, oh yep. God, like 
I need help on the dishes. That doesn't mean your love is poisoned or that you're a bad person if your partner wants you to step up. For sure. Um, yeah, yes. go ahead. No, and I think that, like, it for me, it became much easier. Uh, it became much easier as both of us grew up. Yeah, <laughs> right? like, totally. And we both sort of learned the importance of taking care of the space that we're living in. So, like, you know, when I was 22 and living with a significant other like we had like a list of who does what chores right Right. because it was like we needed to divide that out but now as like a 31 year old it's just sort of like well the trash needs to go out right right it's like no one's job like we're both we are both you're (laughs) self-parenting we are both in this relationship and we are both like bringing things to it so like it doesn't matter if like in my head it's peter's job to take out the trash like i'm just gonna take out the trash because it needs to be done right exactly right and i would and in a lot of ways, I think that I and you are lucky because our partners exactly. also want to put time and effort into the space that we have. Um, and so if that's not happening, then like there needs to be conversation and it's okay to be like, here's your jobs and here are my jobs. Right. Right. Like that's, I think. Like a chore list. That yeah. that, that literally is what can happen. For sure. And also reframing that chore list as it's not like you're a parent and the other person's a child or Mm -hmm. there's going to be allowance happening. That chore list (laughs) is a manifestation of your love. If we're thinking about love languages Mm -hmm. and we're thinking about, well, it's not touch, it's not words of affirmation, it's not quality time, it's an act of service to make the shared space that we live in habitable, right? And clean the way that your partner wants it and not just the way you want it. For sure. And I think that that is also a key thing too, is like, because I am a tidier person than Peter is, like, I would much rather like put things where they belong and he'd much rather just take his clothes off and throw them down the stairs. Oh my God, God. you and I are totally the same. (laughs) And in putting things in the wrong place for the sake of it, like Willow and I have a, what she calls an everything drawer. And I'm like, do not put that in the fucking everything drawer. There is no such thing as an everything drawer. (laughs) Okay, well, our neurosis is coming out right now. But what I have learned in cohabitating with someone for a significant period of time is that instead of being mad about the things that he does that disrupt my space, I'm like, no, if I want the space to be like this, that's on me. I have to me, do it. Exactly. Right? So like if he wants to throw his clothes down the stairs and leave them in a pile, like I either have to be like, that's okay. Or I have to pick up his clothes and like put them away from right. him because it's not my job to tell him how to adhere to my expectations of what our house looks like. Right. right. He doesn't want that. He right. would much rather have like stuff around. Right. Which is totally fine and valid. So if I want a very neat house, then that means that I have to be the one that make it makes it neat. Right. And then probably the same can be said for the other way around. I feel like I'm can... making him seem like a slob. And he's definitely he's not totally a slob. He's totally not. He, I, he's constantly cleaning. <laughs> no, he constantly is. He just puts things in weird places. and like... Yeah, you guys have different clean styles yes, or yeah. ha- habitation styles. Right, yes. And so what we're saying is you have to come to a happy medium or you have to communicate to where there's some shared obligation. Yep. But... At the same time, you also have to remember that you're living with a totally different person mm-hmm. who yep. has a different understanding and relationship to the world around him. Right. And if you want to be happy, a part of that is going to be doing it yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I feel, okay, we could talk about this forever. Do you want to break this up into a series? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay, so for the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about cohabitation because I would love to talk about money, like yes. sh- sharing rent with somebody, which mm-hmm. is really stressful. And like, do you... Do you split it evenly? Do yep. you um, do you do it based off of your incomes, mm-hmm. et cetera? And how do you go about paying bills? Like, how do you talk about money as a couple? Yep. That is a huge part of cohabitating. Food, feeding people. <laughs> what a lovely time that is. Um, and then what was the last one? Time. How do you time spend time together. together or apart when you're cohabitating? Interesting. Yeah, we can do at least two more episodes on this. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, cool. Well, we will get back to that in a little bit, but first, let's get into some letters. Let's do it. Let's do it. The first letter is from King's first name, last name, and Vagabonds. (laughs) All one word. (laughs) King's and Vagabonds. Yeah. Um, Writing to us from Metropolis. King's writes... First of all, thanks for all that you both do. Your podcast is amazing, and I can't recommend it enough to people. This is a strange question. How do you break up with a city? Mm. I'm in my late 20s trying to make it as a writer in one of the most expensive cities in the country. 
After three years of giving it the, quote, good old grad school try, I've simply run out of money and cannot rely on my parents' generosity anymore to help fund the astronomical rent that is four digits, and it begins with a four. Oh, Oh my my God. God. (laughs) (laughs) All for, sorry. My little Minneapolis heart just was like, what? (laughs) All for a two-by-nothing broom closet with a luxury view on the side of a highway. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, four. That's crazy. Wow, okay. Uh, So it's time to pack up my things and move to the Midwest, where I came from, in about a month to pursue a more conventional career path. Weirdly, this decision feels like a legitimate breakup in multiple senses. I started to make a life for myself out here. I poured my soul into it, and now I have to let it go. I've also built up my, quote, own family of new friends out here that I've nurtured over years. Because I don't want to share the movie news on social media, I've met with them one one by one over coffee or a meal to let them know I'm leaving, which feels akin to a romantic breakup. Some of them are sad. Some of them try to give me a million excuses to stay. Some accept it and quietly wish me well. But none of those responses are easy to process. But weirdest of all, I feel like I'm breaking up with myself. I am losing the person I was in this city, chasing my dreams. Don't get me wrong. There are perks to moving home. I have my old support system and the ability to actually empower myself by, you know, affording the basic necessities of life. But I can't help but feel like I'm scared that I'll leave my optimistic, creative, artistic self behind here. And that thought can choke me up at times. Thankfully, I'm not in a relationship, but I'm feeling all the pains of losing one. Do you have any advice for navigating this life change? Mm. What a lovely letter, Kings. It is. Thank you so much for writing. I just want to say that I spent my 20, all of my 20s building my write, my writing career in the lovely city of Minneapolis. Um, and Kings, I had no idea what a thriving, amazing, resource-filled literary community there is here in the Midwest. So mm. um, not only am I going to big you up and remind you that life is about making scary big choices um, and and that you'll, you're never going to lose that authentic creative self that you are. I'm also going to tell you that there's so many great literary hubs in the Midwest that you can hopefully find um, a community, a career, a voice again. Um, I love it in Minneapolis. So maybe that's where you're moving. <laughs> No, but just maybe ponder that. Our rent does not begin with a four. No, it does not. <laughs> um, okay, but I'm gonna. I uh, other than that, I'm gonna. I, I want to start with like a little story that my father told me mm-hmm. when I was a wee little twenty one year old. Oh, cute. My girlfriend had just crushed my tiny heart. Willow, uh. Willow had just broken up. Willow point one, <laughs> one point oh, had just broken up with me uh-huh. a thousand years ago. And um, I decided to move to Minneapolis on a whim because I was heartbroken and young and and didn't uh, have Google Maps at the time. Like, <laughs> didn't know anything about Minnesota and just kind of came out here on a whim. Was lucky enough to find the literary community. but um, And a best friend. And a best friend. You're right. <clears throat> um, but... The first winter here in the Twin Cities for me back in 2007 was very challenging. Mm-hmm. I was dealing, I was heartbroken still. Um, I was dealing with some pretty s- serious mental health lows, struggling with depression. You know, Minnesota winters are really cold. <laughs> and I was working late at night and I would come home at two in the morning from my restaurant shift and like smoke a cigarette out the window of my apartment wrapped in a blanket like an old frigid woman, you know, <laughs> and I, I was just struggling. I wasn't happy. I was, I was not getting a lot of daylight because of my sleep cycle and it was definitely affecting me physically. And I called my father to say like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I moved to Minnesota. And he's like, well, you can always move back. And I was like, "Ugh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to move all the way here and, not move, and then move back or whatever. And he said, I need to tell you a story about the man in the lake. And he said, one day there was a man who paddled a canoe out to the middle of a lake. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful day. And he's looking all around him. And there's trees on every every inch of the shore. 
And he realizes all of a sudden in a panic that he can't recognize what shoreline he came from, like Mm -hmm. whether it was behind him, in front of him, to the side or whatever. He's in the middle of that circle of the lake. And he's like, oh my God, I don't even know where I came from. How do I, how do I get back? So he paddles to one side of the shore only to realize that's not the shore he came from. Mm -hmm. And then my dad said, but now at least he knows that's not where he's going. Mm. Now at least he knows. Mm -hmm. And I've carried that with me for the past 13 years of when we make hard decisions, when we make choices that move us from one place to another or in and out of relationships or in and out of jobs or, or to a new city, we know that at the very least, we are gaining the knowledge of where we want to be or don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Kings, you have experienced this city. You know what it's like to be here and you like it even, right? Mm-hmm. You know who you are. You've built yourself up. But now you're going to, now you know that that side of the shore might not be where you're allowed to thrive. Mm-hmm. Now you know that's not where you're supposed to be. And looking forward to answer your anxiety wherever you go in the midwest at least you will know whether you like it or not that that's your shore or it's not your shore Mm -hmm. and you can keep going that's right yeah yeah that really helped me when i was moving or like thinking about moving and when i moved again and and again and i just think like the there's we get so worried and anxious wrapped up in decision making we forget the simple um, gift it is to just know, like, that's not that's not my shore. That's not where I'm meant to be. For sure. And my dad was essentially saying, like, if you decide to move home, at least you know you don't want to live in Minnesota. <laughs> like, you know that of the 50 states, you've got one of them crossed off. Right. And I happily stayed for another decade. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, now I know. That's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that. And I would also just say to you, Kings, that um, that I think that you're right to feel like this is a breakup, right? And if you are saying goodbye to things that you loved, to people that you loved, to an idea of what your life was going to look like uh, that has now sort of been changed for you. Um, so, so I want to validate the fact that like this really hurts, right? Yeah. Like, and you are allowed to feel hurt by this. And I know that like, I have never been someone that has moved to a different city in my adult life, um, but I have also watched people move to other places, right? And I know that that can feel like totally a, like like a breakup. Like even if your if your friends move to a different place, right? It can right. feel like it really really hurts. Um, and in the same way, like moving away from friends and family can also feel like you are breaking right. up with them. Um, and I just. I want to say that like you have every right to feel sad about this, even if you are excited about moving to the Midwest and starting a new job. Like even if you're like, that's going to be good. And I know that there's good for me there. It's still okay to mourn what mourn the idea of what your life was going to look like. That is not is now not going to be your life. Right. right? Totally. And I would even say like, um, can there be a dual mourn and celebration? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because you can mourn, the life that you thought you were going to have in your city. You can mourn the connections um, that you may not be able to see regularly. But at the same time, Kings, like you, you now have what so many people deny themselves either through opportunity or their own like mental practice. You have the opportunity to build new, to be new, to see what you can make of yourself when you have um, when you're, when you're forced to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an, that's a really beautiful experience. Um, and I also want to say at writer to writer, like you can always pick up your pen again. You're always a writer. It doesn't matter if you're surrounded by other writers or <laughs> never write a book again. Uh-huh. Um, you are a writer and you're not going to lose this, like, this authentic, optimistic, artistic self that you're afraid to lose, you are not those things because you surrounded yourself by people who are artistic and optimistic. Absolutely. You are those things because that's who you are mm-hmm. and that's your makeup and you can, you will find other people who, who help fill your soul in the same way, but you're not going to lose what, what you love most about yourself by this move. But it is like a breakup, totally. Especially yeah. the fact that you 
<laughs> had these little breakup dinners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I love it though. That's a great way to tell people. Yeah. It's like sitting them down and being like, listen, and I got bad news. I'm not like pro moving or anti moving. I think for me, when I moved to Minnesota when I was young, I like needed that. I needed to get out of my comfort zone and, and I really needed that. And I am someone who has moved a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like you, Sam, have you only moved from Wisconsin to Minnesota? And I think to each their own. Um, but I do think that I, I think that there's a general anxiety around starting over or, or going somewhere new that while is completely valid is disconnected from the fact that uh, we are always allowed to be new again. Um, you know, like that, that we, we, like in a couple episodes that are ago at our live show, the mm-hmm. the the question about leaving a business, you know, or yep. breaking up with a husband of twenty five years or whatever, we are we build up these huge expectations and pressures around these things, like for a city to work for us forever, mm-hmm. or a job to work for us forever, or a business to not fail, yep. you know, and the pressure we put on ourselves to make things work forever isn't totally realistic to the world. It's not even realistic to nature. Mm -hmm. Like seasons happen in nature for a reason. And it sounds like Kings, your season here, while it was beautiful and fruitful has come to an end. And Mm -hmm. and now, now you deserve to have a spring somewhere else. Absolutely. And what's great about what is great and also awful Mm -hmm. about big change like this, right? Cheers to that. (laughs) Um, is that you get to decide now what you take and what you take and what you leave. Right. Like what about your identity as a creative person, as a writer, do you get to take with you? And what about your the expectations that you put on yourself as you lived in the city, as you pursued this career, do you get to say, I don't need that anymore? Right. That's not for me anymore. And that can be a really challenging thing for sure, but it is also a liberating thing, right? Totally. Like the act of deciding who you get to be and what you don't have to be anymore, I think is just one of the things that leads us to the a highest, whole and yep. healthy life, right? It's, it is a constant, uh, we are constantly renewing ourselves, but what better time to do it than we, we have something huge that changes for us, totally. whether or not we want that change to happen. <laughs> totally. T- totally. Yeah. Thanks. 2019. Yeah, <laughs> right. Let's never do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Kings, we really hope that this helps. Um, kiss your city on the lips and when you say goodbye and, uh, and good luck. We love you. Thanks for writing. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame 
and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Trigger warning in our next letter for sexual assault. All right, our next letter comes from Chelsea who's writing from Seattle. Hi, Sierra and Sam. Love your podcast, have heard some hard truths, and grown so much from listening. My question and need for advice stems from some conflict I'm having with my roommates. I'm a senior in college this year, and I live with five other girls. We have known each other since freshman year, gone through ups and downs, and I genuinely enjoy living with them. They are all in relationships that are longer than two years and all plan on getting married in the next year. Small Christian school, so ring by spring is real. <laughs> Time out. Have you heard that phrase before? Um, I have. Yes. I haven't. I've heard um, lug lesbian until graduation. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a of... joke from my years at the all-women's school. That's great. <clears throat> Which is I... an offensive joke, by the way. <laughs> to hella problematic. I've also heard of getting your MRS. What's oh my god? What is that? I can see it in your face. No, because like instead of getting like your your BA or like your oh, you're your getting MRS, your MRS, like your misses. Right, you are going to school to get married. Or are we in an episode of Mad Men? Yeah, seriously, right. This is all fine with me, and they make a great effort to include me and spend girl time without their boyfriends as well. In January, I was hanging out with an ex, and we were talking about getting back together for a while. While one night, I had too much to drink and woke up next to him. While I recognize that I could have prevented this and shouldn't be drinking to a point I can't remember, no one knows how he got to my house, if I invited him or what happened at all. When I asked him about it, he said he, quote, respects me and wouldn't give any information other than that. I had to take a plan B and later a pregnancy test. This weighed heavily on me because at the time I was a virgin. This event led me to going through a string of one-night stands and drinking binges, again, still working on healthy coping, and definitely could have handled this better. It's September now, so roughly eight months later, and my roommates and have been really hard on me about finding a relationship lately. They constantly tell me my, quote, window is closing, and that I need to start looking for a relationship or I might end up alone. Oh I've, <laughs> I've been open about the fact that the event in January is hard for me to talk or even think about. When I tell him I am not ready, when I tell them I am not ready or that I sometimes still struggle with what happened, they tell me I'm being dramatic and need to move on. Are they right? I'm going to be 22 next week and maybe I'm just being immature about the whole thing, but sometimes I feel like they don't understand what coping with what happened in January is like. I still love the guy that it was with, but have fully and truly accepted that I will never trust him and don't believe anything he says anymore and that I will never get back with him. Sorry for the long letter. Any advice will help me. All my love, Chels. So Chels, thank you so much for writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot in this letter um, that I think really uh, spoke to Sierra and me about, because yes. I think that there's a lot of things going on here, right? And so the first thing that I want to tackle in this is I just want to say to you um, that what happened to you, you get to define what it is and, and what you want to call it. 
Um, but the elements of it to me feel like a sexual assault, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to say to you that you have every right to grapple with that. However you want. Whatever you want to do. It does not matter how long it takes you. You get to do it in whatever way makes you feel better, right? And so I just want to, I want to clear the air on that. The other thing that I want to talk about with you is that it is not your fault for drinking too much. Right. It is not your fault for talking to him when you should have, when you shouldn't have. For inviting him over. It is not your fault for not knowing how he got there or what was happening. Uh, It is absolutely no part of this is your fault. And so I want to just call that out in this because there were some things in here that, that, that I felt as a person who invited my perpetrator into my house right? Uh, that I have also grappled with. And I just want, I just want to say that to you and I hope that you believe it, but I'm just going to keep saying it until you do that. It is not your fault. Nothing about this is your fault. Right. And just to like hit the nail on the head a little, um, why we're pulling this out is, is your sentence was, I know I shouldn't have drank to excess or invited him over or whatever the sentence was, but the the world we should live in should allow people to wear whatever they want. Mm-hmm. They should be able, I could, I should be able to drink to excess, right? <laughs> right. Like that is not a punishable offense, uh-huh. right? I should be able to um, invite people I trust over into my space. What should not happen is sexual assault or crossing of anyone's personal boundaries right. or, um, or any physical uh, interaction without consent. Sure. Like that's, that's what shouldn't have happened. But like you have every right in the world to drink to excess. You're 22. <laughs> like <laughs> that's what you're meant to do right now. <laughs> right. Right. Joking sure. about that. But, but, in but that's, that's what we're, that's the picture we're painting here. Right. Like it wasn't because you drank a lot. Mm-hmm. It's because somebody potentially overstepped your boundary. And the fact that he's not talking about it is incredibly, incredibly red flaggy to me. Yeah, for sure. And I, like the fact that you can't remember means to me that you are probably unable to give consent, mm-hmm. right? Informed consent in this. Right. Um, and that's what's alarming to me. So I I just want to say that and I, I just want to like call that out, right? But what's more important than labeling it or talking about it for all of those reasons is that this thing that has happened to you is it has an impact on right. you, right? And and you are allowed to process through this impact in whatever way feels right for you. There is no time limit on getting over something like this. There is no like set course for how to do this head and heart work to get over it. right? Right. And so you have all of the time in the world and you have all of our like blessing to do whatever you need to, to cope through cope with this and to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Because also, I mean, it, to kind of volley off of what you're saying, Sam, things that happen to us impact us, mm. right? Uh, I think culture, the society really likes to paint a picture that um, people who experience sexual assault or sexual violence are are crushed are and their worth is diminished. Yep. And um, they have to deal, they have to carry this huge psychological and physical scar for the rest of their lives. Right. And while that is true for some people and everyone carries trauma differently. And we, I read this amazing, very empowering article. um, I don't remember the author, but the, the the title is collapsible women, our cultural response to um, rape and sexual assault. And it was basically arguing like we, we, are changed by things that happen to us. We are changed by heartbreaks, Mm. by car accidents, by people um, overcrossing our personal boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, by family relationships, by physical trauma, by getting stitches. Like we are changed. And what you, what I want to pull out from what you were saying is there's no timeline, right? Right. I'm not going to tell somebody that they are grieving their lost child for too long, right? right? I'm not going to tell somebody that they that they are grieving their divorce for too long, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to help them f- sit in those feelings, acknowledge them, recognize what they need to heal, um, but I'm going to let them do that on their own organic timeline. For sure. And obviously every Every person is different, and I do acknowledge as somebody who has experienced it, but also as somebody who understands the nuances of it, um, 
sexual assault or like Sam says, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. has a has a particular stigma and impact on people. For sure. It it's not getting stitches. I know that. But at the same time, it's I feel like it it takes the power away from that scary, awful thing to remind us that like we're changed every day by mm-hmm. the things that happen to us. For sure. And let's like take a moment to say what the fuck about her friends. <laughs> About the the the, the layers yep. of problematic things that are happening here. For sure. Before I go off a little, um, Chels, I'm sure your friends are very wonderful people. Yeah. I, I trust that every, uh, me at 21, 22, I don't know if I could have done any better than, than what your friends are doing. For sure. To, period. Because I would have wanted you to be happy. I would have wanted you to stop hurting. Mm-hmm. I would have wanted you to marry off because that's what I thought I should do at that age too. Yep. Um, so there's no judgment to him, to them, but I do want to point out like what they're missing. Mm-hmm. First off, what Sam said, like this is, you can take as much time as you need to deal with this. This would make me not trustworthy of men too. For sure. Yep. This would make me not desirous of, of being with somebody. Yep. Um, but two, you all have hopefully a long, fruitful life ahead of you. Right. If they're talking about a window closing, the, the <laughs> window been, that they're, yeah, the right. window that they're talking about is, um, drinking without getting a hangover. <laughs> like that's the window that's closing girl uh-huh. in a couple of years. That window is going to be a cement wall. Uh-huh. Let me tell you. <laughs> 30 years old. That's when it was like, oh no. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. I have I'm at the point in my life and I know I'm still I we're still young and limber, but I a tipping for, point for me this year in my 33rd year is that I can't wear bad shoes. Mm. I can't I have like lovely expensive boots uh and they're so flat that I can't wear them for more than an hour. I like want to wear my athletic sneakers everywhere. <laughs> And you should. Oh, no. You're going to mock me. Yeah. No, you the should like, day, make wore, sure to wear them with dresses. <laughs> I, the other day, I wore two patterns like to brunch at 830 in the morning. <laughs> and Sam goes, oh, I really love this pattern clashing that you're doing, <laughs> but with like a snarky bullshit face uh, on. <laughs> you were wearing buffalo plaid and like leopard print. <laughs> you're right. I was. I was making that life choice. <laughs> anyway, Chels, sorry. I just want to... Like the the foundation of our response is that this is your timeline and your life and your your healing. For sure. And I would say that if your friends think that the window closes at 22, then like Sierra and I were really fucked. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like... Right now I'm crawling through the chimney. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. You're like yeah. covered the in soot. The windows closed. Like, like, oh, I got to get out of oh, here somehow. Please let me in. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I was that old woman smoking out of the non-existent window for uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, um, but, <laughs> no, so that window, first of all, that window doesn't exist. No. It does not exist. Yeah. Your letter was equal parts, like, very serious. Like, we needed to respond to make sure you knew that you're not, this isn't your fault. This is on, you're empowered to 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 heal on your own timeline. But it was, it was half that and half, <laughs> like, tw- a window closing at 22. That's, that's, that's just ridiculous. That's a lie that your friends are telling you. Absolutely. And... Also, you're not defined by your romantic relationships, right? right? There is no, like, you don't have to be married to be a successful person, right? right? Like, you are whole as you are. You do not need another person to complete you. And so the idea that there's some, first of all, that there's some sort of very quick timeline right. to find a person right. and that your end goal always has to be finding a person right. is absolutely not true. Both of those things are are things that, society and our friends and our family sometimes tell us but aren't actually true yeah in the same way that you get to you get to process this harm on your own timeline you get to figure out your romantic future on your own timeline as as well I totally agree and I'm thinking about it now like what I wanted to hear what I what what I wish somebody told me in my 20s I was never at the other than one relationship I was not at the point of getting married in my 20s especially Mm -hmm. that young um but I do remember thinking like oh maybe I'll have kids by the time I'm 27 or whatever Mm. oh my god are you kidding me (laughs) five years ago what yeah um I was a mess at 27 (laughs) and everybody's different and everybody's timeline is different so like if you're out there and you did that 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 is the life that you chose and that's fine but 
and, and and it's probably joyful and successful in a ways that my life wasn't. Right. But the, what I wish I heard when I was 20 is that you, there is so much out there. Mm-hmm. There is so much to do and see and experience. There is grief that you're going to feel that you will never understand. There is joy you, you're going to feel that you have never experienced before. Yep. And some of that will be your wedding day. And mm-hmm. some of that will be having children. But some of that will also be finding a job that you really love. Mm-hmm. And some of that will also be finding the fucking courage to quit the job you hate. Right. <laughs> like there's so much. When I talk about Minneapolis, that move to Minneapolis, like to lift drivers, you know, mm-hmm. who are like, why did you, you know, move to Minneapolis? I say Minneapolis was such a great place to be in my 20s, mm. to, to spend my life there, be, or to, to become an adult there. Um, and I had the privilege of traveling in my 20s and making amazing friendships that will last my lifetime mm-hmm. um, and building a career that I love and I'm so proud of. And also like partying and being stupid <laughs> and making mistakes. Like yep. there is so much to life and... It's not that I think people shouldn't get married in their 20s, but I think people forget of the t- the timeline of things like leave space for life, mm-hmm. leave space for for the unknown, you know? Yep. yep. Um don't rush into things because because life is too exciting to right. to, to to cut it off for sure. early. Yep. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but I mean also like if if you really want to get married at 22 like <laughs> Godspeed and do all those things with your significant other. Absolutely. But it's not an expectation. It is not required of all of us to to follow that timeline that that others have put in front of us. And I just want to say you, I've been thinking so much about growth and perspective because all of a sudden in my 30s, I'm like, oh my God, things my parents were telling me when I was like 14 are finally becoming real to me, mm. but that I couldn't truly feel or understand as a teenager. Yeah. Um, mostly about dust, honestly. <laughs> and <laughs> and wearing, that it is important And to wearing dust. socks, <laughs> you know, like in the house. Um, but I I think I just want to say like my 30s are, are the best mm-hmm. and I've, I'm only three years into them and it's because I know myself the most now. And that should be the purpose of your life. It's like every year you get to know yourself better. Mm. Right. It's not sure. about hitting those milestones of children, getting married, whatever. It's about knowing yourself more truly, more authentically, more bravely and boldly. Absolutely. And Chelsea, to just to wrap this up, um, I just wanted to say that what you are going through is really real. Um, what you're going through is something that's here and I are not necessarily equipped to be able to handle in an advice podcast. Um, and so I would love and encourage you to seek out a therapist that can help you process through what happened to you. Um, you can look on different websites. I think Rain would be a good way, mm-hmm. place to look. They'll probably have resources. That's Rain with two Ns. Um, check out their website. See if there are licensed therapists near you that are that sort of specialize in sexual assault or violence. Um, and talk to them because and- t- talking through talking through my assault was what helped me get over it. Right. right? Putting a name on it helped me, and and calling it what it was, and saying you're because it was because it was sexual assault. That means I didn't do anything to deserve it. Like helped me process through right. that. And I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I would encourage you to find someone that can help you in that journey of figuring it out. Yeah, and I'm confident that there's going to be free resources on your campus as well. For sure. Yep. Yeah, Charles, thank you so much for writing. We love you. Who cares if you don't have a ring before spring? <laughs> That's insane. Uh, uh, we love you so much. Thanks for writing. All right. Our last letter is from Maggie Anonymous, who is writing to us from Grief Wonderland. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I went there once for a summer holiday. <laughs> <clears throat> Maggie writes, Hi, Sierra and Sam. Thank you for reading this letter. First, I want to say how much your podcast has helped me be better with myself and with others. Thank you for your kind, wise, and sometimes surprising and counterintuitive advice through through these episodes. That's real. (laughs) Our advice often doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. So here's my story. I met my ex in high school. We hit it off right away and started a love story that lasted seven years. 
This guy was my rock. He was my best friend, my lover. We understood each other perfectly. We shared the same values, passions, so on. We also moved through major life changes together. Our first apartment, jobs, holidays as a couple, our first pet, and our first discussions about having children one day together. We created our own bubble and slowly cut ourselves off from people. Because of various reasons, he got deeper into what I now read as depression. He would stay at home and play video games all day long, would isolate himself and shut down in any social situation. He would be more and more self-deprecating and would slowly abandon his personal and professional ambitions. I have to say, I lacked excitement. I wanted us to have a grand life, to travel all around the world, to be both curious about things to challenge and stimulate each other into being better people. But with time, it seems like he lost that drive and energy. And I didn't dare to do or to build these things alone, nor did I have the tools at the time to express my frustrations and my needs. So I silenced them for years and became bitter about everything we didn't do, which helped his depression grow stronger. Until one day when I did the unforgivable, I cheated with someone who fakely incarnated everything I missed. The great career, the intellectual discussions, the will to do get things done, the self-confidence, etc. When my ex found out about it, my whole world crumbled. We tried to rebuild our relationship afterwards, but I was emotionally away. I couldn't even imagine myself having sex with him anymore. We finally broke up. It was hurtful. He even told me how he could never forgive me. But at the time, it was what we needed. The following year was a soul-searching adventure. I lost my father right after the breakup, which made me reconsider taking time with people I cared about. I started therapy, read tons of self-help books. I strengthened a sense of identity, started doing things on my own again. I've also learned a lot about my anxious avoidant attachment style and how to build to a more healthy relationship by being upfront with my needs and boundaries. But here's the thing. Today, I can't overcome the quote, what if thought. What if I knew all this back then? Could I have helped my ex overcome his personal challenges instead of being frustrated? Could I have discussed the things I needed and how we could have achieved that together? It's been more than a year now. And even if he doesn't want to speak to me anymore, I can't imagine myself with anyone else. I've been seeing someone for a month, though I can't get into it and have thought of ending it. I know my ex has also met someone on Tinder, and I don't want to mess up any good relationship he might have at the moment. And yet, how do you know if someone's still your one true love or you're idealizing the past? If you should try to reconnect with the risk of causing more hurt for everyone or move on and be okay with this person building a family life with someone else one day. And whatever the alternative, how do you overcome the shame and guilt of having cheated on someone you cared about so much? Thank you so much for your help. Maggie, thank you so much for writing. Yeah, thank you. I got a little emotional reading it, mm-hmm. particularly the part about Maggie talking about being a badass <laughs> and leaning into <laughs> it and and really examining herself and doing this head and heart work. So, Maggie, I want to start by saying I am incredibly proud of you and I can feel it in my body how mm-hmm. proud I am of you. For sure. And proud of everybody who does that sort of restorative or self-explanation exploration Rumi's quote that I love and you when are you going to begin that long journey into yourself and Maggie it sounds like you're well on your way and I'm proud of you yeah that's great um yeah what if what if what if the what if podcast which is (laughs) big cats our producers podcast totally different subject yes very different (laughs) but the what if um, I'm going to just <laughs> come out and say it, Maggie, um, to answer your question about what if you knew all of this back then, mm-hmm. what would it be like? And I, I want to tell you with a lot of love that it would have been the same, mm. that it, it could not have been any better. Sure. There's no world in which it could be better. Right. You were doing the best that you could. At that moment, with the knowledge and experience that you had at that time, mm-hmm. that was your best. And that is okay. It's okay to look back and say, wow, I wish I did better. For sure. But it's very important that we look back on our past behavior and acknowledge not with shame or self-deprecation, but instead great understanding and empathy that, wow, I was doing the, my best then, 
but look at what my best is now. Mm-hmm. I can do so much better now. Absolutely. And yes, of course, in heartbreak, all we want to do is look backwards. All, all we want to say is like, if only I had a time machine and a thousand emotional band-aids, like I could fix this. <laughs> I could. Mm-hmm. But that is a form of like self-torture we do on ourselves. Yep. You, I cannot go back. You, it, you cannot have done that any better. You could. Here's a crazy thought, right? And as coming from somebody who has also cheated, like you could have never not cheated. Yeah. So I'll load that for a second. Like sit on that. Like that, that, that is not, there's no alternative reality in which you didn't cheat. Right. And that doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you a person doing the best that you could, which is to say at that time, you did not have the skills or the re- tools in your tool belt to express your discomfort, your un- your unhappiness in another way other than infidelity. Yep. And you can say, dang, that sucks. Like, I feel bad For about sure. that. yeah. No, yeah. But there's no other reality. There's, there's no going back and fixing your boyfriend's depression. Right. No, absolutely. And I think, um, I think that the past can serve us. Because I think that the past teaches us the lessons that allowed us to be better in the present, right? Yeah. But I think, like Sierra said, right, the past is in the past. Like, there is nothing that you can do. Even if you went back in a time machine to to, to those moments, you would go back to the person that you were in those moments, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the shit right there. Right? Like, you would, in going back to those moments, you, will, you would have, you would unlearn everything that you've learned because it was the future in that moment that taught you the things that you knew. Right. Totally. And it was those bad experiences. It was cheating on your partner. It was losing him. It was not being able to recognize his depression and and do what you could do to help support him. Like those are the things that you had to go through in order to get to this point where you can now do better in the present. Right. Right. And so it is really easy to say like, yes, if I could go back in the past, I would change this to be different. But the reality is, is that the past is fixed. It is not changing whatsoever. What you can change right now is the present. So what are you focusing on that is giving you joy? What are you focusing on that is moving you to towards your goals? And what are you tr- what do you need to leave behind and say that is not for me anymore? Right. right. Um I'm going to lay down one of my favorite quotes mm-hmm. ever, but I looked it up to be to see if I could like credit it for the first time ever on this podcast. <laughs> Yay. Um but I see it credited to Lily Tomlin, Oprah and a slam poet, oh. so <laughs> I just don't know. I'm just going to say it and you guys can look it up. Um, But the quote is, Maggie, forgiveness is the release of all hope for a better past. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is the release of all hope for a better past, which is to say, if you forgive yourself for cheating, if you forgive yourself for falling out of love with someone who was not giving you a healthy love back. Yep. If you forgive yourself for for not being able to fix something you didn't know was broken, mm-hmm. you then realize there is no better past than what happened. Mm-hmm. There's no better alternative universe. Yep. There is no way that the past can be remedied. There is only now forward. And I know that this is just like the the bane of human existence, right? <laughs> is that we constantly regret and look back. But I promise, like all heartbreak, it will get easier over time. I I used to have times in my life that I would wince to think about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like really toxic times, either toxic relationships or decisions that I made that I, I feel very ashamed of to this day, really. Yep. But it took like maybe five years of head and heart work to be like, wow, the person I was then was not my favorite version of myself, but I was doing the best that I could because I didn't, I didn't have these five years of experience, you know, like talking about being 33 and having perspective on things my parents were telling me at 14, I could not fully understand them then. I didn't have the tools or the life experience, you know? Yep. Um, Yeah. There, this is a this is a hard thing, Maggie. But Sam's right. Your 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 happiness lies ahead of you. Right. Right. And 
I know that you right now you can't imagine yourself with anyone else, but we can. Yeah, for sure. Your heart can. Yep. Right? Your heart can imagine you with other people. Absolutely. Um, your pain is preventing you. You're looking back and saying, this is what I feel comfortable with instead of looking forward into the unknown, into the scary world of like new love, rejection, new heartbreak, right? And thinking I could never find my way there. But that world is made for you. Yep, for sure. And I just want to say to you um, that Sierra and I forgive you for cheating on this person. Sierra and I forgive you for not recognizing that your boyfriend was going through depression. We forgive you for not doing as well as you wish you had done. Right. Right. And so we invite you to join us in that forgiveness, right? We are sitting here saying you were doing the best that you could with the tools and resources you had available to you. And And when you look back on this, instead of looking back and saying, I could have done better, I should have done better. Yeah. Recognize the fact that the reality is, is that you could not have done better. Period. You did the best that you could. And it sucks that that people got hurt because of that, but in no way could you have done better. Right. But now you have the opportunity to do better for yourself, for others, to look back and learn from the things that you have done without trying to fix them. Right. Totally. And one more thing that I just thought of before we sign off, uh, don't over-idealize your ex. Yeah, right? Exactly. Um, I think that when we are the perpetrator of infidelity or, or something like right, that. The one who did the big fuck up that caused the relationship right. to break up, we even though the relationship was broken. Yeah. That like the relationship was broken in the first place. Right. Right. And n- mental illness is nothing to like point fingers at. No. But we, kn- we all know, Sam and I know that when, when you are struggling with mental illness, you are often not capable of, um, uh, showing the love that you have in a healthy way, right? For sure. Um, that, that could be said of anything true of addiction or like a heavy right. workload or, or whatever. There are lots of things preventing us from being our best selves all the time. For sure. Um, but just don't over, over idealize your boyfriend. Like he, he was doing the best he could too. Right. Which, which wasn't good enough to prevent you from making this error. Sure. Does that make sense? Like you're, yep. you, you, you two fostered and grew this relationship and, and the time came for it to, to be let go of. That's right. And you, you, you both created this relationship as people who were ill-equipped to be able to maintain it. Right. right? And now you're different people. Right. And I'm sure that you both made mistakes and you, you know, like cheating on him was probably a mistake that you regret and that is totally legitimate. But but you both just weren't at the point where you could maintain this relationship right. together. Right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. right? It's really sad for sure. Um, and it and it hurts and it's real, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with two people trying to make something happen and then it not working out. Totally. I totally agree. Maggie, we hope this um, sheds some warmth and light in an experience that I know that feels very dark and alone. Absolutely. We love you so much. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try to hook you up with something that we really like. This week, our blind date is... It is a book by my friend Tanya Ingram. Tanya Ingram is coming out with a new book called How to Survive Today, Poems, Prompts, and Affirmations for Those Still Finding Our Way. Mm. And if anybody um, knows Tanya through her poetry career or following her online, um, she is a huge mental health advocate. Um, She's a source of positivity and affirmation, but she's also very real. She has lupus and... um, is very forthcoming about her uh, physical experience um, as somebody who's dealing with chronic illness and mental illness. And she also talks a lot about love and relationships and she's, and through all of this, she, she manages to be both incredibly transparent about her experiences, but also wildly positive and loving. Like I think people look to her to feel affirmed in Mm -hmm. a similar way that they look to our podcast. I love that. Um, And so she's coming out with a new book called How to Survive Today. 
It comes out on November 26th, but you can pre-order it right now. And if you order it from Tanya's store, um, you'll get an affirmation card from Tanya, a 10% off discount code to her store, and a bunch of other cute little goodies. Cool. So they've got like a new release thing going on. But in general, please check out Tanya Ingram. Her last name is spelled I-N-G-R-A-M. And you can follow her on Instagram, find her website, check out her poetry, and check out her newest book, How to Survive Today. Yeah. And to be clear, like none of this is an ad. Like we're not getting paid for any of this. Sierra just like loves this so much. Oh that, like... Well, Tanya is a friend of mine. We've collaborated before. Um, and I just like respect her work in the mental health world. Yeah, and, for sure. and she she would be a great person on our show because she does talk about like heartbreak and um, things like that. That would be great. We should, yeah. we should think about that. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can also slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. That's right. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our amazing friend, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, your past mistakes are already released and you are already learning the lessons from them. Powerful changes are happening all around you, within you, and you can welcome and embrace them with grace and bravery. Be curious, not afraid. Paddle into the middle of that lake. Find the shore that doesn't work for you. Find the shore that does. Life is about showing up and trying new things. And if all else fails, just break up.